0: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This
0: is Martina Navratilova.
1: I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray.
0: And you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. <laughs> Well, hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. My name is David Law from BBC Radio 5 Live. I'm joined by Catherine Whittaker of Eurosport on a momentous day for The Tennis Podcast. This is episode number 250. We've had our two millionth download. I mean really surely people have got better things to do than listen to this. Apparently not, which we're grateful for. Uh, So thank you everybody for listening over the last uh, four and a half years. Uh, But Catherine Whitaker and I the reason I'm speaking a little bit quieter than maybe perhaps I normally would is we've just seen both of the men's singles semi-finals in which Gail Monfils has been defeated by Novak Djokovic and Stan Wawrinka has just won through in four sets over Kane Shikuri, and they were dragging themselves around the court struggling for breath at times and the reason for that is the humidity we're sitting outside right now Catherine just outside the media center it it is deeply unpleasant sitting out here I mean the the, the temperature itself is quite nice it's it's warm compared to the ice box of a commentary box I've just been sitting in you're rolling your eyes because you've been out here for about six hours but in terms of the humidity just try to explain what it's like
1: well, it's an incredibly tough task you've just set me because it's very, very difficult to put into words as English people were not really allowed to complain about heat or summery weather conditions. Uh, but I'm going to because this is quite something. It's very, very difficult to capture if you're not actually in it. I mean, I was standing outside for 20 minutes earlier at 3 o'clock waiting to be queued for a live link on Eurosport and... Uh, I, I had to run to the loo where I knew there was a big fan to stand in front of it for for a few minutes just just to gather myself. I mean, it's that bad, really. It's and and you, as soon as you get in some air conditioning, you think, oh, well, it can't be that bad, can it? I must have just been being a wimp. And then when you get back out, and it's like, it's just so difficult to capture unless you're actually in it. But it is stifling. It's like claustrophobia. It's not heat. It's not humidity. Those words don't capture it. It is claustrophobia
0: yeah because i've just come out here and i've spent such a long time in air conditioning that you don't really appreciate it trying to breathe in right now it feels like you kind of can't really feel your lungs properly with oxygen um it's it's a very strange sensation imagine trying to run around in this I really, I really sympathise with these players because I think that unless you uh, I think the fans sitting in the stadium would perhaps appreciate that to some degree because at least they're breathing the same air. If you're watching on TV, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. I mean, that those four players look like they were suffering out there tonight, and, and I'm not surprised that ultimately it's Stan Wawrinka and Novak Djokovic that come through because aerobically they're probably the fittest and they're the strongest, the most resilient. Um, and it really is survival of the fittest.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I tweeted it earlier, sort of as a joke, but just to really emphasise the point. <laughs> I mean, the the place that I've been going for dinner every evening. The it's called Wine Bar Food. The imaginatively named Wine Bar Food. They uh, they shut down early tonight. The kitchen staff walked out because it was too hot for them to work.
0: What did you end up having? <laughs>
1: You don't want to know. You don't no, I do want, want to know. know. Hamburg. Dennis podcast listeners don't want to know what I end up having for dinner.
0: Uh, <laughs> what a disappointment. Eh? Oh, sorry, folks. I tried.
1: Anyway. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, it, it, I, I physically couldn't. I was trying to imagine what it'd be like to try and play tennis in it. And, it, and I just ended up sort of aborting the thought. Because should we? Have a, should we should so a, dreadful. Should, should we go and have a game?
0: I tell you, there's a court out there at the moment. <laughs> Nobody's on it. They've just finished the semi-final. We could go and use that one.
1: On a serious note, it's interesting. Pat Cash was doing our sort of courtside. We had our commentators up in the booth, and Pat Cash was doing the courtside commentary thing. He looked like he'd jumped in a pool by the end of the first set. And I sent him a text saying, are you OK? And he said, yeah, I'm fine. He did not look <laughs> fine. But he's he's hardier than I am, let's put it that way. Uh, but he said... Uh, Going into the match, he was commenting on the conditions, and he said he thought Vavrinka would struggle more. He said some very interesting stuff about muscle mass, and he said Vavrinka is a lot more muscly, less lean of a player, and, and musclier players tend to cope less well. He talked about all sorts of physiology that I, I can't now requote because it was more technical than I'm I'm uh, au fait with, but really interesting stuff about musclyer players dealing less well with these sorts of um, energy. Uh, Moisture-sapping conditions, but he's such a silently fit player for Rinker, isn't he? That's not quite the right way of putting it. Somehow, he, he's understatedly so fit and athletic. He he's a completely different body type to Djokovic. He's a completely different body type to Murray, and Murray and Djokovic are a completely different body type. He might he's deceptively incredibly fit.
0: He is. He, he's got stamina, endurance. You don't. He doesn't wear out. You know, it's just like the battery is just one of those long-life specials. I, uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I was pretty neutral going into that match, you know. I, I Yeah, I mean, I just wanted the best man to win, but, but as somebody who just wants to see a competitive final, who wants to see any tournament go out on a high, as the match wore on, I started to think, oh, I want Vavrinka to win this because he's the far more likely to pull up well for the final I just trust his stamina, his recovery a lot better than I do Nishikori and that's not a slight on Nishikori because I'm not sure many players, even the fittest players would pull up well from a four or five set match in these conditions but I trust Vavrinka's ability to more than I would most And it's a
0: bit of a shame isn't it really because um, Nishikori shot making wise was able to go toe to toe with Stan and for a set and a half be the better player. I mean he, he he's so it's so exciting to watch Stan teeing off on ground strokes and Nishikori dealing with them, you know, with his sort of stand in and, and play pinball tennis. I mean I, I love watching that. And and he actually prevailed against him two years ago in five sets. But I think these conditions allied to the obvious, the the big five set match with Murray, but I mean he played numerous five set matches in a row two years ago. I do think these conditions we're, we're, were a major factor in that in that result tonight
1: well at one of the changeovers i think during the second set the uh, the umpire uh scolded Vavrinka for uh generally both of them i think taking too long between points and he he just looked blankly and said come on use some common sense we i think he said we're both dying here look at he said look at these conditions we're both dying and that just that just said it all. I mean, I and I completely agree with him. You know, common sense had to be applied there. Those, those were, and these are just a podcast in some quite extraordinary conditions.
0: They are. Uh, we we want your sympathy, listeners. We <laughs> want you to understand what we're doing in the name of this show. Is we're sitting outside on a chair in the nice warm weather talking about tennis. And complaining—that's what we do here on the tennis podcast, brought to you in association with the Telegraph. However, the the match we haven't touched on yet is the one that caused a heck of a lot of discussion: the one between Gaël Monfils of France and uh, and Novak Djokovic, which. I really don't know how to how to how to sum it up. I mean, here, here's here's the gist of it. Gaël Monfils hasn't been in a grand slam semi final for eight years. He came out and he was down five love after 16 minutes, and to, to all the world, it looked as though he, he he'd frozen on the spot, as though his his whole senti- his senses and the magnitude of the moment had completely frozen, and he couldn't cope, and he couldn't get any feel on the racket, and so he started to try to do. What I thought were silly things of looking like he wasn't trying and and uh, and, and hitting chip and charge sabers and 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 uh, you know ridiculous ridiculous serves and volleys and, and so forth and, and he ended up winning three games in a row to get back to five three he almost got to, to five four he ended up losing that first set then the second set he started getting booed when he when he lost it 6-2 because again i mean he was he was missing such a lot but he was also with his body language at least it looked as though he was just throwing it in a bit and not really racing to every ball and so forth then in the third set he got energized or he seemed to get energized and he started to play more like the game feast i think that we expected to see certainly he won it and then in the fourth set, Djokovic prevailed. Now, throughout all of this, by and large, I think Djokovic played a good match. It wasn't a great match he played, but it was a good match. And he won in sort of the scoreline. I probably would have expected him to win in any way. But the way it went, w- w- I mean, while I was commentating on it, to me, it was just plain weird. I didn't understand what was going on. And John McEnroe, I know, and men- m- other members of the ESPN uh, watching commentary team were also quite critical of of, of Gil Monfils' body language and and, uh, and and in their words professionalism. Now he came into the press conference afterwards and, and that was put to him and he was absolutely emphatic that he was giving 100% out there that he was trying something different effectively what I think he was trying to do were, were the rope-a-dope tactics of Muhammad Ali against George Foreman in the rumble in the jungle of leaning against the ropes, letting the guy hit him uh, but whilst blocking and, and trying to just get in his head and then coming out and striking support with with a surprise attack and and bearing in mind that Novak Djokovic had lost tw- had won 12 out of 12 of their previous encounters it appears to be that Monfish didn't think he could win with his normal game so he tried something different that's what he was saying at least but it was it was a very strange experience t- to witness it
1: as a strange, strange a match as I've ever witnessed on a tennis court. that's not to say it wasn't exciting at periods and certainly engrossing but very, very odd um, and as much as Monfils' press conference was fantastic and a completely um you know explicit explanation of of what he feels he was doing out there it still is strange i mean his explanation was uh, of the of that behavior the rope dope stuff was i resorted to plan b but he says i resorted to plan b after 10 minutes i mean if you're resorting to plan b after 10 minutes you don't deep down believe in plan a do you and if you're getting one Fees.
0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking,
1: as talented as he is hasn't dropped a set so far if you can't believe in your plan a even if you have got a 12 and zero record i mean you've got to believe in your plan a at least for a set or two and and then start resorting um you know it, i think that was what was extraordinary people saying i mean he had 15 30 in that opening service game it looked to be going brilliantly and then two double faults he's conceded the game and he just it looked to me like he panicked and gone oh what's plan b that was what was unbelievable not that he had a plan b not that his plan b was something unusual i mean who could knock that trying something different against the best player in the world in extreme circumstances that's just fine it was how early he panicked i think
0: especially given plan a has got him to the US Open semifinals and the best results of his career consistently all year long. I, just, I think, ultimately, I, I I take his explanation on on its merits and 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 it, it at least provides me, as somebody who was looking on, scratching my head, trying to work out what on earth he was doing with himself, it provides some, some degree of comfort that, that, that there was some thought going into this, even though I think he got it completely wrong. I think he just made the wrong decisions I think he did panic a bit I think he threw in this these tactics and the problem with those tactics are as Nick Kyrgios finds when he starts going walk about and looking disinterested if you're going to do that you'd better win because because people are not forgiving if they don't see you jumping up and down and running down every ball they're just not
1: well, for me, it was a classic example of a of a one-sided head-to-head being too much of a feature in the match. He needed to be able to say, "I might have lost twelve times out of twelve to Novak Djokovic," but that was a different game on fees. And to be honest, that's what a lot of experts that I spoke to before that match were saying. That not that the head-to-head is insignificant, but that. Monfils really shouldn't be looking a lot into it because this is a different game, Monfils. And I watched that match they played in the semi-final of, of Toronto and, and Monfils played well enough to win. The scoreline might not suggest that. He just didn't win the key points because, for me, he didn't believe. And uh, he should have learned from that and and uh, he seemingly didn't. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, that head-to-head going into it seemed to be the defining feature for me. I mean, other defining features were obviously that Djokovic is more of a mental iron man than anybody else on the tour. that I mean, I spoke to Boris Becker briefly after that match, more for a look ahead to the final, but obviously he touched upon that semi final. And without me even needing to bring it up, he mentioned the conditions and he said he thought Djokovic and Monfils would two of the three or four fittest players on the tour and he said they were dying after a set he could tell even before we could tell i think that novak was really really struggling out there and And who
0: wouldn't i mean it was we've said it already I, i i just i don't really remember conditions quite as oppressive as this
1: I certainly don't you you've been here more times than I have, but this is unlike anything there was one I year experience. I think,
0: I think there was there was one year in the first week when we had it a few days, but i mean to, for, for a finals weekend, I think that's what I read at somebody say today is they don't remember a finals weekend or a you know last three or four days that are are quite like this, so hopefully we get some monstrous thunderstorm tonight.
1: And it, and it, uh, I think he deserves more credit for, because looking back more on what happened to Murray against Nishikori, for me, I think he was too obsessed with not wanting to expend unnecessary energy, too ex- obsessed with what happened in Paris and thinking rather than just let's get the job done any which way... I want to get the job done in three sets, or at absolute worst four, and then really panicking and beating himself up for letting himself be taken to a fifth, and thinking, "Oh goodness me, I I can't afford to be expending this amount of energy at this stage of the tournament." You know, I don't want to be going into the final with that many miles on the clock. And and Djokovic kept his cool about that today. I mean, I know it's easier to (laughs) when you've only had six hours twenty-six minutes on the clock. I guess you know, cumulatively, he's in a far better position than most people could ever be at this stage but still you know it the fact that Murray succumbed to that with his experience and greatness and all of that shows that it shouldn't be taken for granted I think
0: one thing I did notice when the players came out onto the court was was how warm the reception was for Djokovic compared to Monfils um I mean it was polite for Monfils but it was it was one of uh I don't think that they really... They're not that familiar with him yet and so forth. I feel as though just incrementally now people are getting used to Djokovic, world number one, um, particularly at this tournament he's been to. I think it's the seventh final at the the US Open now. And, um, you know, that's what happens, isn't it? I think as as players start to to make a real impact and and are seen as the best player in the world, um, they start to get appreciated for that as time goes by. As, as Stan Wawrinka is walking past us... Oh, yeah. Yeah, somebody's shouting, Stan, the man! There are lots of little fans sort of waiting here uh, by the steps as Stan Wawrinka goes from ESPN television studio in towards the press conference, and he'll do about 32 interviews in all sorts of different languages, and then he might finally get home for the night. Um, he spent uh, 17 hours on the court. Djokovic has spent eight Big difference, isn't it? It's, I, mean, you know, I wonder how big a factor that might be.
1: What would you be thinking right now if you were Dan Evans? <laughs> what would you be I,
0: I did say that in commentary. I said spare a thought for a uh, I mean, Villa Sporting Brummy right now. The
1: would be US Open finalist Dan Evans. I mean, seriously, I mean I'm I'm not saying had he taken that much point he would be going into US Open final now. I'm not saying that. But still, you can understand Dan Evans having those sorts of thoughts, couldn't you? I mean why I mean if you of course Dan Evans is having those thoughts and I would be too it's just ama- It's peaking at the right time is everything isn't it and um, he's a and even both within a tournament and within a match he's a slow starter Stan Wawrinka best of five really favours him you know there were so many best of five sets versus best of three Sets debates raging on Twitter during both the matches today, and and I think podcast listeners know where we both stand on that, so we won't well, get look, into. There's it.
0: Michael Chang. Look, he's just w- wandering oh. off for his food to go and give to uh, I'm not to Kenia Shikori. Bad, because
1: he stood me up for an interview a couple of days ago, so. <laughs>
0: Oh, okay. Maybe it's just karma. <laughs> Magnus Norman didn't, then <laughs> no. I suppose.
1: No, it's karma. That's what it is. All
0: oh, right. So um, that's what it comes down to. So that's that's how insular we are on the Sanders <laughs> podcast. If you do an interview with us, we want you to win.
1: Um, what was I saying? Yeah, I mean, the best of five, best of versus best of three. We, you know, where we stand on that, so we won't get into it. But. Uh, I can't remember why I got into best of five versus best of three
0: well why just we about the, the sheer length of, of matches and, and um, the you know the, the number of hours on court that the, the, the Stan Wawrinka has played because obviously Djokovic's matches have all been curtailed
1: no I, I mean I was talking about what a slow starter he is I mean there's no doubt the best of five favours Stan Wawrinka. look at his you know Grand Slam record versus Masters Series record versus any other record I mean there's no doubt it favours him And I don't
0: think it's going to hurt him you know this no. I, don't, I don't think the fact that he's actually spent nine hours more than Djokovic will come actually come into this match
1: i don't either and that sort of fitness should be rewarded that should be you know that added dimension to tennis that's a great thing that that added dimension of test to it just it makes tennis greater doesn't it
0: I, I... it's certainly a factor isn't it it's certainly a factor you wouldn't want to remove from tennis because otherwise it would just be you know a shot making contest and and i think at slams it needs to be more than that so you know we'll we'll, we'll have to say i mean i do think there is as we've talked about there is an argument for shortening matches uh, earlier in some of these tournaments but you know i think you do away with the the five set formats at your peril Anyway, Catherine, we've uh, what time we got to? We've got to go and get the bus again. And you know, I don't want to go racing off and you colliding with trees and stuff again. So um, I think we might as well wrap it up here. We are going to try and do a periscope session at some point, but tomorrow, now that Jamie Murray's in the final, looks to have scuppered that for tomorrow on Saturday. So we'll have to find another time, won't we?
1: It does. I think I'm presenting coverage of that. The Eurosport from 10 to 12 lo- local time, which is 10 to 5 UK time, and you're doing the talking same. very
0: quickly on <laughs> radio about
1: it. Four people, about four people Garcia Lopez. <laughs>
0: and oh, is it really? Is it double barreled names? It's oh, brilliant! Two
1: double barreled names. Good luck, David. Good luck.
0: Anybody got any shorthand for it? Is it is it? of Buster or something like that and again and Garcia Lopez against Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez okay answers on a postcard of how I can shorthand the opponent's names for Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez um, to try to get them into a radio commentary because I have to speak really quickly like this Uh, Catherine uh, uh, that's about it for the tennis podcast Uh, for today who's going to win the women's final Pliskova against Kerber that's a good one isn't it I asked Jill Kraybass that on 5 Live Sports Extra and she was scratching her head I was scratching my head what do you think
1: I mean, I'm going to do the same as I did against for Plushkovi Serena and, and go with the odds. I'm going to go for for Kerber. Uh, but Plushkovi's got a real chance, for sure. She's got a real chance.
0: Yeah, she's, she, she beat her in Cincinnati, and she beat her handily. I think Kerber was short on resources on that one after all the finals she'd been to. But um, I'd go with Kerber, too. I, I just think this is a a woman that has done the groundwork and she has such self-conviction. I also think there has to be a chance that Plishkova blinks a little bit in the final. I know she's played Venus and Serena on that court, but her first Grand Slam final, I know that Kerber did it in her first Grand Slam final and it c- could go either way, but that's, that's, that's always likely to be a factor that I don't think it would be for Kerber, who's in her third one of the year. I mean, she deserves that ranking.
1: Absolutely. I mean, if Serena had had the year that Kerber has has had, you know, even without her winning tomorrow, if she goes on to win tomorrow, then even more so, then we'd all be saying, oh my goodness me, the most extraordinary. I mean, it's quite something. She deserves it. She is the best player in the world. She is.
0: Right now, absolutely unquestionably. That is the the way it is. And uh, we look forward to Reconvening tomorrow night, Catherine, uh, for our 251st episode, and maybe we'll have a few more listeners than our 2 f- million downloads that we've had so far. So thanks ever so much again. Really, we mean it. Uh, uh, Catherine's laughing.
1: Oh, you know, there might be some members of the Whitaker family <laughs> that haven't yet. Been persuaded to tune in.
0: Yeah, Catherine has the biggest extended family, which is why we've got all these listeners. That's not true. Uh, but anyway, thanks ever so much for, for listening. We do appreciate it, and we'll speak to you tomorrow.